God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning into the Tribe of Christians podcast with host Brandon Dawson, the chief sinner, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight, and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God, featuring the latest updates on end time prophecy news. Don't, Don't forget, forget to subscribe to the, to the Tribe of Christians, Christians broadcast, either on Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, the Chief Sinner. My mother was a former president Democratic woman of Arizona, a conservative Democrat, but her party left her. Completely left her. It's not the party that she grew up in. She, it's just not the same. And, and I think is, uh, and we aren't perfect either. Republicans and conservatives aren't per- perfect either. But we need to pray for our leaders because God can supernaturally uh, influence and affect any one of them. And we, and we need to pray right now because the decisions made in Washington are more critical than ever before. They are very critical. Uh, my book, Eye to Eye, uh, Facing the Consequences of Dividing Israel. Um, I think we have 40 books here. We ran out of books, and uh, we just printed a bunch more. It's the 33rd printing. And uh, <laughs> thank you, Lord. So um, um, uh, we just finished today. So if, if we run out of books here, you can get those through our website at watch.org. And uh, price is pretty good. Actually, it's about the same with shipping. So um, uh, thank you for those that support our work through our eye-to-eye book. But uh, uh, it's a significant book. It documents uh, what happens when American presidents apply pressure on Israel to divide their covenant land and the consequences. And, uh, and, you know, despite the fact, and I'll get into this shortly, despite the fact that President Trump was the best president, best friend of Israel ever, He did more for Israel than all presidents combined. But there still were consequences, uh, and, and a lot of that has to do with his uh, son-in-law, Jared Kushner. So I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, also uh, revealed Obama's legacy. I don't have those here with me. That's also through our website, watch.org. And it's uh, into seven chapters. Um, and I, when I wrote this book, the opening ch- uh, scripture was Isaiah 5.20. Woe to those that call evil good and good evil. And, um, and I wrote, and I have been writing ever since he left office in uh, 2016. We'll never get over the eight years of him being in office. And we're seeing Obama 2.0 right now with the Biden administration. Enormous consequences. Enormous. But, you know, our presidents all have a prophetic role. That's what's so amazing about the United States. Our presidents have had significant roles in the acceleration of final day events. No leaders really in the world. I mean, we've had the World War I, World War II, significant wars. But when it comes to just the acceleration of final day events, and I'll hit on some of that shortly, 
uh, our American presidents, uh, even in eye to eye, go all the way back to Woodrow Wilson in his support of the San Remo Agreement. You know, of uh, FDR, uh, you know, when he was president, told the king of Saudi Arabia if Israel ever wanted to become a state, he would, uh, he would notify the king. And seven, seven days later, FDR died in office, replaced by Harry Truman, who made sure Israel became a state in full support. And, 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 and every president, uh, Reagan, who loved Bible prophecy, used to love reading David Hawking's books and, and stuff like that, and he loved prophecy. He'd start talking about Ezekiel 38 and 39, and uh, uh, Chief of Staff Reagan would try to get him off of that. We've got to quit, you know, Ronnie, Ronnie, we've got to get off that. So, you, you know, it's just uh, fascinating. And uh, they all had a role. You know, Nixon's mother believed there'd be a time her son would be able to defend the state of Israel as a Quaker Christian from Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, Bush, George Bush. I mean, I, I wrote George a couple letters before, <clears throat> before September 9-11 uh, about the consequences of dividing the land. And, uh, and then we had 9-11 when we found out 17 days before 9-11. Uh, President Bush was working with Crown Prince Abdullah of Saudi Arabia on a comprehensive address that was going to be given to the UN because the Crown Prince was furious at Bush for siding for siding with Israel. He, so in order to stop that, they worked for 17 days. Well, the, uh, nine, 9-10, they finished the work uh, with the Saudi, uh, uh, prime, uh, Saudi ambassador uh, celebrating in his, home, in his mansion in McLean, Virginia, and excited about what happened. The next day, 15 of the 19 terrorists that banged their planes into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon were Saudis. You know, the God of Israel did not produce the evil, the evil of 9-11, but he didn't stop it. He didn't stop it. Bush was going to call for dividing Jerusalem, creating an Arab state, two states side by side, something his dad or Clinton would never have done, and fulfilling the UN resolutions 242 and 338. And that 9-11 stopped it. It stopped, the, it stopped things in its tracks. So um, uh, we, we put out a weekly news report. It's out every Friday. It's 15 to 20 pages. It's getting really tough keeping it at that, uh, that length. But the, this is world news that's happening each week that's biblically relevant. I've got uh, Jim Fletcher writing with me, Bill Wilson, Emily Jordan, and, and others. And then we also uh, have commentary and also articles that are important that we see. We see. We try to keep it to 10 articles each week that are pretty much indicative of the times that we live in. So back to, uh, back to uh, 9-11 and back to Bush. Um, uh, when I started writing Eye to Eye, the, you know, the Lord had me look at every previous president, back to Woodrow Wilson. He had me study every American president, I mean, uh, every uh, Middle East leader uh, that attempted to conquer the land of Israel, and also every Israeli government that went along with the Land for Peace plan and what happened to them. But as I was pondering this about a year and a half ago, I thought to myself, there has been no greater event and effect on the United States than the 9-11 terror event and the coronavirus uh, event. 13, or we're at $15.7 trillion. I just explained what happened with Bush and 9-11 and the connection there the two largest catastrophes, and then you bring COVID in, the two largest catastrophes in U.S. history, 
corresponded to direct White House role in establishing an Arab state in Judea and Samaria. And I explained the Bush and Abdullah uh, uh, efforts and all of that. And then the U.S. acceleration of final day events spoken of in the book of Revelation during Donald Trump's time in office. Again, I said that no one has done more for Israel as a president than Donald Trump. And Michelle Bachman and myself worked real hard in 2019. Uh, she had a meeting at the State Department with uh, Pompeo, Kushner, and Greenblatt and 14 Christian leaders. And um, after that meeting, uh, uh, Michelle and I were going to have a meeting with one of the uh, leaders of the uh, Christian advisors for dinner. But when I walked in to the lobby, there was uh, uh, Jensen Franklin, Franklin Graham, uh, not Franklin Graham, um, Jack Graham, and then um, uh, Marcus Lamb and others. And they said, Michelle did a fantastic job. She just told him that if you all go forward with this plan, this Kushner plan, it could cost you the election. And it was, she communicated it so effectively. And then um, five weeks later, and then we had dinner that night with uh, the advisor and her husband, and, uh, and Michelle said it once again, and I confirmed it, that, you know, if you go forward with this peace plan, this could cost President Trump re-election. And it was powerfully done, and the warning was established, the warning was given by Michelle's effort, by eye to eye, and this lady said, can you give me a, a summary so I can get it to the president? And I did, along with the books, and uh, the effort was given. And then five weeks later, we had uh, Joel Rosenberg, who I appreciate and respect, and John Hagee, and Jensen Franklin, Paula White, uh, I think Mike Evans was there, and they were all, Kushner was bringing all these leaders in to come to the, to the uh, White House t to introduce the Kushner Trump plan. And everybody thought it was great. Joel said, we were called to be peacemakers. This is what Jesus wants us to be. And he had left the meeting early because he's going to have lunch with uh, Mike Pence. And then Mike Pence introduced him to President Trump. They were cheerleading the Kushner plan. So the momentum that we had building, we lost it there. And it's because, you know, they fully supported the peace plan. And, I, and, and it surprises me because, and, and Lance Wall and I was there and a few others. I, it surprises me because these are all very supportive. These are great supporters of Israel. And they were in that meeting. But the land is God's land. It's given by him to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it's not to be an Arab state with the capital in East Jerusalem. <laughs> and so finally... On January 28th, 2020, uh, at, the, at the White House, the Peace to Prosperity Plan was given by President Trump, and Netanyahu was there fully favoring the plan, and, and it, it, this was a very significant event. It, it even had a map, and right after the map was put up on Twitter, we had a 7.7 earthquake shake the Miami Financial District. What's interesting about that, it came in into the 7.3. Usually they drop to 6. They come in hot with the numbers, and then they, but this one went from a 7.3. It was finally calculated at 7.7. Within 42 minutes of Trump's 70 million followers on Twitter seeing the Peace to Prosperity plan. And in the next, in the next 24 to 48 hours, 
and then if, and in a couple of days thereafter, but major leaders of Europe, uh, Johnson, Macron, uh, Merkel, uh, the head of the EU Commission, the Arab League, the uh, Association of Arab uh, Islamic States all said, no, we have our plan. That's the UN plan. It's the Arab League plan. This is our plan. So all of a sudden, the entire international community was establishing the plan. They wanted every, so everybody in the world had the opportunity to find out where these leaders stood on the covenant land of Israel. That afternoon, on January 28, right after Trump uh, gave his plan, Peter Navarro warned Fauci, Azar, that we have a major pandemic coming. This could be a major, and they laughed him off. He said, this is going to be costly. So uh, uh, Navarro was furious because they, uh, Mulvaney and Fauci, they just kind of laughed him off. This is right. This was in a couple hours of Trump is, uh, uh, introducing his plan. And so the next day, Navarro uh, put his plan together or put his memo together for the president that warned that there, this is, that coronavirus could cost $3.8 trillion dollars and it could affect over 100 million Americans, and it could cost a million plus lives. The day after, the day after the Trump plan was delivered at the White House. And then on February 23rd, he, did a, uh, he had another warning uh, about the consequence. So what happened is, as the international community in late January and early February told the world what their plan, uh, in a few weeks later, three billion people were in lockdown worldwide. Again, and I wrote a commentary, life in America before January 28 and life after. We've talked about it before. God's favor was on President Trump. If you went against Trump before January 28, it was like a boomerang. It came right back on you. But the favor changed the day that he came up. Well-meaning. I even had a chance to talk to uh, former chief of staff Mark Meadows at the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast in Houston in February. And I, right after he spoke, he was the keynote speaker, and he said, well, we never thought they, the Palestinians would do it anyhow. I said, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, Mark. You kept the narrative going. You kept the plan going. You took a risk. Yeah, I heard that from Ambassador Friedman when I interviewed him last year at the Jerusalem Prayer Breakfast in Jerusalem. Well, we didn't really think they were going to take it anyhow. Well, what happened is it talked about 70 to 80% of Judea and Samaria being given to the Palestinians, talked about a future role for the Palestinians in Jerusalem, and it once again reestablished and confirmed the narrative of what was going to happen with Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem. And then on, uh, on the 29th, that's the, when the task force really, really got going uh, on the covid uh, the Abraham Accords, you, a lot of uh, people have heard about the Abraham Accords. Uh, you know, it sounds good on the, on the surface. Uh, we've got Arab countries making peace with Israel. This is, this is wonderful. This is a great deal. And when I enter, interviewed Ambassador Freeman, I said, basically, you know, paraphrasing a bit, this is a business deal. And Israel looks at the money that the United Arab Emirates has. They have a trillion-dollar sovereign fund. It's like what the late Boone Pickens, T. Boone Pickens, the great Texas oilman, said during Trump's time in office. 
He said, this Trump energy plan is excellent because we're sending $500 billion a year to the Middle East that should be staying in the United States. 500, and look what's happening right now. The money is flowing into the Middle East. Biden is begging the Saudis to produce more oil early, uh, early last year and into the summer and fall. Asking Russia to produce more oil before they uh, took the Ukraine. When we have the resources right here in America, $500 billion going to the Middle East that should be in the United States of America, and we know the impact that's having on the true inflation. Petroleum and oil products are in everything we do, we consume, and we use. And that's the inflation. But anyhow, um, the Abraham Accords, this is a big deal. Uh, Kushner uh, had spent the whole summer. And by the way, there were so many record-setting hurricanes. We had three or four. Had, they were so intense, their names were retired. Their names were retired. And that whole summer, when the Kushner was working on the Abraham Accords, we had these massive record hurricanes. And when he wasn't, it was calm. They ran out of names and started using Alpha, Beta, Delta, Gamma. There were so many. We'd never had so many uh, tropical storms and hurricanes in a season. And it all tracked the effort that Kushner was doing on coming up with a plan. And also that summer, we had uh, 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 Netanyahu wanted to extend sovereignty to 132 Jewish communities. But the world community was saying, no, you've got to stop that Israel. It's going to affect our relations. The Arab League, the EU, Russia, China, they all said, you cannot do this. This is a huge mistake. Well, they went ahead with it. And uh, uh, what's interesting about, uh, if you look at the photo here, you have uh, uh, Trump welcoming the Netanyahu's. And in the corner of the screen is Hurricane Sally. And this is very typical. A lot of times when we're doing something with Israel's land, we, they'd share the screen with a major record-setting event. And uh, one, of, uh, one of our readers uh, from Manhattan, Micah, wrote me and says, do you know that Sally's a derivative? Do you know what Sally's a derivative of in Hebrew? I said, no, I, I don't know. He says, it's Sarah. Sally is a derivative of Sarah. So in other words, as the Abraham Accords is being signed, Hurricane Sarah is about to clobber the southern Gulf Coast, and it occupied the news that day and the next day when Kushner was explaining his plan. The Lord put it in my heart, Hurricane Sarah, it could have been called any one of our names, but the purpose was, this was the Lord saying, this land is for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their descendants. Not Ishmael and Hagar. <laughs> then they had the signing, and then Israel, right after the Netanyahu goes home, Israel goes into a national lockdown beginning on Rosh Hashanah through Yom Kippur and Sukkot, 72 hours after the Abraham Accord is signed. Israel. And one of the reasons for signing the Abraham Accords was the potential of five billion shekels uh, to come to Israel in the next couple of years because of the business, the new business with Bahrain and the United Emirates. Well, this 72-hour uh, COVID event that went into a three-week 
COVID event cost Israel 5 billion shekels. So the money they thought they were going to benefit from the United Arab Emirates, it cost their economy 5 billion shekels. And to just summarize in the Abraham Accord, the Abraham Accord is cursed. I'm sorry, I know Secretary Pompeo and others uh, are, are very excited about it. I mean, a wonderful man, a good friend of Michelle's, uh, um, you know, they're proud of the effort. They're proud of the work they've done, and that's great. I mean, on the surface, it sounds great, but it has to do with the covenant land of Israel. It stopped the extended, most important in this, stopped the extended sovereignty of 134 Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria. It continued the two-state false narrative. It continued the UN Resolutions 242 and 338 that call for Israel to go back to the 1967 lines. And I call the war of, uh, the Six-Day War of Israel, that's a war of self-defense. That was critical for their self-defense. The resolution which called for Israel to give back the land, um, is, is, is continues to be talked to. So even the Biden administration has talked about going back to the 1967 lines with swaps. And it also mentions the Arab peace plan of 2002 in the Abraham Accord. And also President Trump said this is a great opportunity for Muslims from around the Middle East and around the world to come to Jerusalem to go to their mosques. Abrahamic covenant and land covenant applies only to Isaac and the seed. You all know that. The land which he, God, gave Abraham and Isaac, the land is an everlasting possession. Israel's land's not to be sold or exchanged. Isaac and his seed is the heir, not Ishmael in Galatians. Now, it was interesting because uh, this was the Jerusalem prayer breakfast, and I had that, was given the opportunity to interview Ambassador Friedman, who, I, I mean, tremendous guy. Uh, I mean, he was a Hebrew speaker, uh, loves a Tanakh. Uh, he is uh, the best, probably the best ambassador we ever had. And, and I tell you, he gets full credit for all many things that Donald Trump did as president. Uh, ambassador Freeman was involved in every single one of them, and probably the catalyst that helped bring these things forward. He was a remarkable uh, ambassador. And I talked to him uh, uh, about you know, the deals. And he said, well, part of the problem Israel has is uh, the government. Uh, they, they, side, they take both sides. And, uh, you know, uh, Netanyahu wants to do more with Iran, and part of the government doesn't. Um, part of the government wants to give up the land, and the other part of the government uh, doesn't. I mean, it's just, it's so, I can't imagine being a prime minister in Israel. I mean, it's very difficult because of all the coalitions that have to be mentioned or have to, have to be uh, negotiated with. But I think what the thing that was interesting is, I said, Ambassador Friedman, I said, this is a different year. We were Israel, I mean, the United States was, and Israel was, had Trump and Netanyahu as a leader. Today, it's Biden and Prime Minister Bennett. And the way I kind of set it up is, okay, you know, you're not the ambassador anymore. Trump is not the president. And Netanyahu is not the prime minister. And you've got to deal with these guys now. Who knows what's up? And uh, there's been a lot of pressure uh, by the Biden administration on Israel to comply. We'll continue to watch that. Um, I'm going to um, kind of give you a little idea of what's going on right now um, in, in the Middle East. Um, I'm going to be sensitive to the time. and we'll, we'll have some 
important question during Q&A. Um, this is a, you know, a, a real tough year for Israel because there's been a lot of con uh, uh, discussion about judicial reform. And, you know, judicial reform is just trying to, you know, and he had Michelle and uh, Romero Pena and others. He had, he liked the evangelicals. Bush liked the Protestants and Catholics, but I give Trump full credit because he, Michelle and Pastor Jeffers, Jack Graham, Robert Morris, they were part of his advisory group and he listened to them. So, you know, the man is, uh, he tries. I mean, he, he, you know, he's not perfect in any stretch of the imagination. And uh, some, of, some of my friends that raised money for Trump uh, moved over to DeSantis. Uh, there's a Trump fatigue. Um, you know, some of them are exhausted uh, supporting uh, uh, Trump, but Trump is, just keeps getting stronger in the polls. And I know I spoke in Florida a couple months ago, and everybody in Florida, they want to keep DeSantis as governor because he's really good. So that's kind of interesting. So there's a possibility at this point. I mean, they're, they're, the Democrats are going to do everything they can to get him disqualified. They will, it will, they will not end <laughs> even until Election Day, if, uh, you know, if Trump's the guy. But I think right now, I mean, there's some pretty solid conservatives in the House and the Senate that are supporting Trump. So, and and uh, he keeps getting stronger in the polls, and DeSantis keeps getting weaker, and maybe that might be a, a good ticket, uh, Trump and DeSantis. But uh, nonetheless... Uh, long answer to your question, Jan. Only God knows how this is going to play out. <laughs> it's crazy. Absolutely. Well, well Genesis, you know, chapter 12 uh, describes the Abrahamic covenant there and the promise that he would bless Israel and, and uh, Abraham and his descendants and those who bless him, they would be blessed, those who cursed him. Am I right after trying to listen to what you just said, Bill, that God is no respecter of persons Whatever their party, it matters whether or not you bless or curse Israel. Absolutely. And, and that's what uh, Michelle uh, helped me, and I helped her the best I could. Michelle's political con connections, I mean, she said this, even, even with the advisory committee, uh, they didn't want to hear it anymore. I mean, you know, that's right. Bless or curse. You know, if President Trump's on the right side of this, stop the land, don't try to divide the land, don't come up with the plan, you've done everything perfect, just stop. But Kushner became, he pushed it through, he got the Christian support, and now Kushner has a $2 billion fund. Uh, Munition and Friedman have a $2 billion fund. They're going to profit from the relationships that they made during the negotiations. So with all that said, uh, you know, uh, the warning was there. God, God provided the warning through you all and through myself. And they, um, I, it was like a runaway freight train. And mm. I, I, I don't think... President Trump, even to this extensive effort that we had in the summer of 2020, till still the, to this day, has not heard of the, of the fact that a lot of his problems had to do with that peace plan. Yeah, yeah. Right. Michelle, your perspective on all this, but you've been in the middle of all this. Well, it was a long process, and it was led by the power of the Holy Spirit the mm -hmm. whole way. And I think one thing I appreciate that Bill said is that Every actor in the decision-making process was warned. They were warned ahead of time of the biblical admonitions for blessing and not cursing. But also, if you look at Joel chapter 3, Bill yes. had that scripture up on the screen, and it says, what is it that the Lord judges nations on? It's how they treat Zion. Yeah. And it's three criteria. 
Did your nation try to scatter the Jewish people? Did you try to divide the land? Or did you try to cheapen Jewish way of life? And if you did any of those three, that's a negative judgment on that nation. So what the Lord impressed upon us is the sanctity of the covenant of the land with the Jewish people. It doesn't matter if you're trying to divide it and give it to Norwegians or Swedes. It doesn't matter who. It's only one people group that it's to be. And there's no expiration. It is forever. forever. And so the, the warning was given to every single person in the whole line of the decision-making process. And it was tragic to see it. And I think the salient point that Bill is making is that the peace plan was delivered. January 28th of 2020. And within 24 hours, that's when the whole coronavirus right. problem went, it burst out in America in a huge way. It cost us freedoms, trillions of dollars. It's cost us freedom of speech. So much it's cost us. We're still paying that price. And what's bizarre is that president who was the most pro-Israel is the same one who made the decision on division of the land. And so that shows, I think Pastor Mark, as you stated rightly, that it, God is no respecter of persons. His word is true. His word prevails. And that's why we are to fear the Lord, meaning to see him as reverent and have a high view of scripture because scripture will always prevail. Well, then let me ask you, do you have, Michelle, do you have some perspective on campaign 20, 2024 in light of what we're talking about right now? I think it's very difficult looking at 2024. Bill, I think, accurately stated we're in a very distressing time. There's a lot of confusion. Uh, I'm the dean of a graduate school yes. of government. I've served in government, and we have never seen a time like we're in. Interestingly, today is, the, when we're recording this, it's May 11th, 2023. This is the day when the emergency powers yes. of the American government expire. Many of you may not know or realize we've been living under emergency powers for three years. That's why we've seen our government take one unconstitutional lawless action after another because they could under emergency powers. That ends today. So where this goes from here, we'll see. But we never ever want to give a government Un, unfettered emergency powers. The concern is that now the Biden administration is pushing in Geneva, Switzerland through the World Health Organization to grant the World Health Organization virtually unlimited emergency powers to declare a, a public health emergency of international concern, effectively creating a platform for the first time in history for global governance. Yep. This is what they're pushing. So I thought, isn't that interesting? They want to give up emergency powers May 11th, but about 10 days later in Geneva, Switzerland, the Biden administration is pushing to grant authority to declare emergency powers to a global body 
globally, so it won't be just America, it would be the whole world that would come under these emergency powers. So that's why I don't think a lot about 2024. I think about what's happening right now. We need to pray because these are, as Luke wrote, these are, this is a time of distress yep. with perplexities, and that's why we need to pray.